Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. Thank you for taking a moment to join us as we take a look at the book. We're going to be studying about the alignment of the nations. God brought the nations into existence about 4,500 years ago. It was soon after the flood when Nimrod, in defiance and disobedience to God, went to a place on the Euphrates River called Babylon, and he established his kingdom, a one-world government under a one-world power, his name King Nimrod. Well, you'll find out all about that, and then how God spread mankind across the world and established the nations. By the way, in the book of Genesis, we see the beginnings of how the nations would align themselves against the Jewish nation of Israel in the last days. That's what this series is all about. It's a five-hour audio series on CD entitled Alignment of the Nations. We're going to take a moment right now and listen to the third in the five-hour series entitled Ishmael to Islam. We'll come to a better understanding of how Abraham's first son would be the father, not of the Arab world, but of the Islamic world. This is a study that you need to have to understand the times in which we're living. Let's listen now to Ishmael to Islam, and we'll come back and tell you how you can get your own series from our website or by calling our toll-free number. But right now, Ishmael to Islam. Go to the 25th chapter now of the book of Genesis, and I want to show you the beginnings of the fulfillment of this prophecy. And it is going to be the transition between Ishmael the father and Islam the faith, which is going to come into existence and outgrowth of this which has been established in Abraham's family. That's what it says here in chapter 25 of the book of Genesis, verse 12. Now, these are the generations of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar, the Egyptian, Sarah's handmaiden, bare unto Abraham. And these are the names of the sons of Ishmael by their names according to their generations. The firstborn of Ishmael, and he goes ahead to name the 12 sons that are going to be born unto him. Look at verse 16. These are the sons of Ishmael, and, they are, and these are their names by their towns and by their castles, twelve princesses, according to their nations. That word castle is a very interesting word, terah in Hebrew, which means encampment or tent city. Isn't that interesting? Because he is going to go, look at, look at the next, uh, well, look down here in verse 18 first. And they dwelt from Havilah until Shur. You know where that is? That's the Arabian Desert. And so where Ishmael is going to go, he is going to leave Abraham in Hebron, in what we know as modern-day Israel. He's going to go into the Arabian Desert. And he's going to dwell there in castles. That word means tent city. You know what the word Arab actually means? It's an Arabic word. You know what it means? It means Bedouin or nomad. That's what Arab means. The original interpretation of the word Arab is Bedouin or nomad. You know how Abraham lived, Isaac lived, Jacob lived? They were Bedouins. They were nomads. They lived in tents, tents made out of goat skin. They could very quickly be taken down 
rolled up and moved to greener pastures because they had the cattle and they, had to, they were in the desert. They lived in the desert. And they had to be able to have sustenance for their animals. And so they built these Bedouin tents out of goat skin. By the, uh, goat hair, by the way, that is fantastic. It's black. It is unbelievable. You, you put it together if you've ever been to Israel and seen them. Uh, and so that uh, in the summertime when it's so hot, they open up and the breeze can blow through. In the wintertime or when it rains, they close up to keep the rain out. And uh, it is very interesting how they come together. But they're going to live in the Arabian desert in tent cities. Look what it says here also. And the 12, back in verse 16, and the 12 princes according to their nations. Now, I use the other words in chapter 17 and chapter 21, goy was nation. Here the word is uma. And this word means tribes, 12 tribes. They're going to be divided into 12 tribes in the area of Arabia, which we know today as Saudi Arabia. The reason it's called Saudi Arabia is because the house of Saudi went there to live and took charge of it, became king, whopped off somebody's head and became the head of the, the country there. So in the area of Arabia, they're going to move out. This is the conception period of the time of Islam because there is a culture now that's going to come into existence. And for 2,500 years from the time of Abraham until the 6th century, when Muhammad establishes Islam, there's going to be a culture that is in existence. This culture is just going to be tribal in appearance. They're going to live as nomads. They're going to live as Bedouins. Do you know who the richest people in the Middle East are? Bedouins. They look like they're starving to death. They look, you know... But you don't see everything. You drive down through the desert in Jerusalem, or out of Jerusalem, down through the desert to the Dead Sea, or you drive over in Jordan going to Petra, you see these Bedouin tents. What you can't see is the beautiful Mercedes behind the Bedouin tent. Or the satellite TV dish is pulling all their favorite programs in. The, you know who the richest people in Jordan are? You know that King Hussein is a Bedouin? He's of the Hashemite kingdom. Those are Bedouins. Nomads. Wandering. You know why they became so rich? They control. Their tribal activity is the sheik is in charge of their tribe. Now they go down into Saudi Arabia. When uh, Ishmael gets down there, there are 12 sons and they're divided into 12 tribes. And they live. The sheik is the head. He is the law. In there, if somebody wants to get married, they come, they ask the sheik, can we get married? He gives the approval or the disapproval. Whatever he says, is go, that's the way it goes. If somebody should be killed because of what's happening, he's to be killed because the sheik says so. Unbelievable how the Bedouins live. I, I've had the unique opportunity. They're very hospitable in their, in their villages. I've had the unique opportunity of going into a Bedouin tent. You go into a Bedouin tent, by the way, hospitality is something else. You approach the tent, and you never approach it from the front. You always approach it from the back. And just about uh, 20 yards away, you go, <coughs> and you hope in their hearing something, you go, <coughs> you know. 
And then oh, they come out and they greet you, and then they don't even ask your name. And for about, well, on some visits and hospitality, for three days they never ask your name. They come in, they bring you in, they sit you down. By the way, the men are responsible for hospitality. I mean, a very, very, very difficult task to entertain for that many days. Somebody said, what do the women do? Well, the women have the children. They raise the children. Uh, they educate the children. Uh, they prepare the food by planting the garden, taking care of the garden, getting all the wood for the fire, building the fire, cooking the food, getting it all ready. Uh, oh, you got to have the goats and the sheep, so they're responsible for watching the goats and watching the sheep. Uh, oh, by the way, if you got to go to greener pastures, they're responsible for tearing the tent down and moving the tent to the next location and building the tent again. I mean, you know, those ladies over there, they just have it made in the shade. And, uh, <laughs> but the men, what do you say? What do the men do? I just told you they're in charge of hospitality. I mean, that's difficult. you got all these people coming in. By the way, the women, maybe you get the hint, are not that important to the uh, Arab world. Uh, they, they used to be. They used to be that the women would walk behind the men. You know, that's how low they, the men walk in. But that has been changed since the Gulf crisis. Now they, they put out so many landmines out there that the women now walk in front of the men. And uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, the men are thinking about everything, you know. Anyway, so when you come in and you, they, they give you bitter coffee. I can't stand bitter coffee, you know. I can't even stand coffee. I mean, I'm a Christian. I don't drink coffee. But... Uh, <clears throat> You know, they give you bitter coffee, and if they give you a whole cup of coffee, that means you've had it, baby. You better make your way out of there as fast as you can. That doesn't mean they're happy that you're there. They give you half a cup, and you drink a couple of half a cup, and then they give you the sweetest tea. Now, I love the tea, and they give you the sweetest tea, and you drink it, and you'll stay there, and you fellowship. Hospitality is very important to these people. The tribal life is very interesting among the Bedouin people, and this culture existed from Ishmael. That's how they lived in the day of Ishmael, all the way to the 6th century when Muhammad's going to come into existence. But there's a second thing about this lifestyle. They were very violent. He said uh, his hand will be against everybody and everybody's hand will be against him. Remember 16th chapter of the book of Genesis? And you know what they would do? They were always continually in battle with each other. There was nothing that would stop them from sneaking up behind somebody at night and taking one of those sharp daggers that you've seen come out of the desert and slit in the throat even of their own brothers or cousins. They're a violent people, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. They would cut a hand off if you stole something. Hey, that is still in operation today. Go to Saudi Arabia. They cut the hands off. They cut the heads off. Remember the nurses just were over there? They were going to have their heads cut off for what they did. They were violent. Do you know what the word Islam, I-S-L-A-M, little I, really means? It has evolved to mean submission, but that's not what it meant in the beginning. You know what it meant in the beginning? Bravery. It meant desert warrior. And that's what it, this man is of Islam. 
He's not afraid of anybody. He'll rip their guts out and show it to them before they die. I don't mean to be ungodly, but that's, that's, that's what is. You know, where, you, know, you know where we get the word assassin or assassinate or assassination? You know where you get that word from? It's an Arab word, an Arabic word, which is hashashin. You know what that means? The smoker of hashish. You know what they would do? They would get so high on hashish, drinking it, uh, smoking it. Have you ever seen those water pipes that they do? They would get so high on hashish, they would get themselves ready, and then they would assassinate. That's where we get the word assassin from. These people were a violent people, part of the culture that's leading up to the Islamic faith. Because we're going to see in a moment when you look at the components of Islam that it basically comes out of a Arab culture. The Islamic people don't want to make that statement. But every single thing you can see in Islam today has a pre-Islamic Arabic culture behind it. Thank you for taking a moment to take a look at the book with us. This is the third in a study from a five-part audio series on CD entitled Alignment of the Nations. The other studies would include Mankind's Master Plan, Satan's Subtle Strategy, Alignment of the Nations, and Here Comes the Antichrist. This all available on this five-hour audio series on CD entitled Alignment of the Nations. If you'd like to have your own copy, call our toll-free number, 877-674-3298. They'll be able to tell you how you can make your order of Alignment of the Nations. Or you can go to our website, www.prophecytoday.com, and make your order that way. Thank you so very much for being a part of our study as we have taken a moment to take a look at the book. I'm Jimmy DeYoung. I want to remind you everything that we've talked about on this particular study of prophecy indicates that the rapture could happen at any moment. Jesus to shout, the archangel to shout, the trumpet God to sound, and those of us who know Christ caught up to be with him in the air forevermore. And having said that, there is nothing left for me to say except let's keep looking up until...